And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Lamar. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Everyone, I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of It Pays to Be Ignorant with MC Tom Howard from 1946. Then, Lawson Zerby stars in The Adventures of Frank Merriwell from 1948. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Last time we began tuning into It Pays to Be Ignorant, a good quiz comedy show. So let's go back to August 30th, 1946, for the conclusion now to It Pays to Be Ignorant. Now, Ken, have we found any contestants with enough nerve to volunteer this evening? Well, here's one, Tom. He's coming to the microphone right now. He's Mr. Jimmy Lange, and here he is. Oh, thank you, Mr. Lange. Good evening, Mr. Lange, and we certainly are glad you came up. How do you feel, Mr. Lange? Fine, thank you. That's good. Do you live in New York? No, sir, I don't. Oh, you don't. Well, how do you happen to be in New York tonight? That is, what are you doing in New York? Well, I have a band, Mr. Howard, and we played in Carnegie Hall last Saturday night in the national finals of the Look Amateur Magazine Swing. Oh, the amateur bands all over the country. I believe I read something about that. Is that so? Well, that's right. How, How do you like your visit to New York? Fine, it's great. How did you come out in the contest? We were one of the winners in the society combo. Oh, you was? Well, congratulations. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Where, where's your band from? Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, you're from Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, sir. That's your home, Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas. Well, steal my glasses and call me Squinty. Okay. I used to work in that town. All right. Don't exert your tonsils. Yes, I was a musician in a fish market. You you were a musician in a fish market? I used to scrape the scales. I see. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're from Kansas City, Mr. Lynch. Is that right? Yes, sir. Oh, Kansas City. Oh, my word. Yes, I used to play poker out there. Yes, I used to play poker in Kansas City. Good. I shall never forget that Kansas City kitty. (laughs) Married Are you married, Mr. Lenz? No, sir, I'm not. You're not. How long have you not been married? Oh, then that's not right. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Lenz. I I certainly am glad you came out so well in the the contest. I hope when you go back to Kansas City, it will mean a great deal to you. And we're very glad to have you with us this evening. Yeah, we sure are. What's your first name, honey? Jimmy. What? Jimmy? Jim- oh, Jimmy. Yes. Ain't that a pretty name, Jimmy? Jimmy Lang, yes. Some kid, too, ain't he? Yes, he's a nice little boy. Ha-ha. <laughs> Cement mixer. Putty putty. <laughs> oh, boy. If I was about 35 years younger, you'd 
never get back to Kansas City if I had a hog tire. <laughs> well, honey, I tell you, you can just call me trolley car. I treat you fair. <laughs> but your gong has been kicked around. <laughs> Jimmy, will you reach into Johnny's cap and pick out a question for us, please? And would you be good enough to read the question? Yes, sir. Uh, what was the occupation of the village blacksmith? Thank you. What was the occupation of the village blacksmith? Oh, I say, Mr. Howe, that's a literary question, isn't it? Well, in a way, yes. I love literary questions. They're so literary. All right, all right. Please, the question is, what was the occupation of the village blacksmith? What was the name of the village? Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Thank you, Miss McConnell You know the name of the blacksmith? No, I do not Mr. Howard, you know you ought to brush up on these things Before you start asking us the questions Look, look The village blacksmith is a poem by Longfellow Now what was his occupation? <laughs> a poet that's, that's wrong Oh, no, it isn't He writes poems He's a poet uh, Even I know that Look Longfellow wrote the poem, not the blacksmith. But you said Longfellow did write the village blacksmith. I know I did, but the village blacksmith didn't write Longfellow. Wait a minute, what am I talking about? Mr. Howard, look, look, oh boy. Longfellow is not a poet. Who said it was? Look, Longfellow wrote the village blacksmith. And he didn't answer. And he didn't answer him. (laughs) Well, the three of you shut up. How can we answer the question if we shut up? Yeah. Mr. Howard, would you like an aspirin? Where's she going to get the headache? Wait a minute. <laughs> Look, I'll read the first line of the poem okay, to you. Okay, so long as you don't sing it. Fine. Under the spreading chestnut tree, the village smithy stands. Why don't somebody give him a chair? <laughs> I'm just trying to find out the occupation of the village blacksmith. I have an uncle in the meatpacking business. What has that got to do with it in the meatpacking business? Yeah, well, he, he makes girdles. He makes girdles? Yeah. Oh, my word, he must live off the fat of the land. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> McNaughton, why don't you take a vacation and go to Death Valley for a few years? Very good I idea. love that. Yeah. Can we please get on with the question? You know, I was offered a job the other day working for the city. Working for the city? Yep. What doing? Hostess on a patrol wagon. Hostess on a patrol wagon. Nice. They don't make patrol wagons your size. Now, let's get on here. If what was the occupation of the village blacksmith? You should know that, Mr. McNaughton. You write poems. I know, old boy, but I didn't write that one. I see. Mr. Sheldon, yeah. what does a horse have on his feet? Hoofs, you dumb cluck. Hoofs. <laughs> All right. What has he got on the bottom of the hoofs? Depends where he's been. Depends... <laughs> A horse has shoes on his feet. Now, who makes the shoes? The shoemaker. All right. All right. What do you call a shoemaker for horses? A horse's shoemaker. Uh, 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 what is the occupation of the village blacksmith? Have any of you ever been in a small town? Rather, Mr. Howard, yes, I have a cousin who lives in a small town. Yes, he lives in Eagle Rock, Arkansas. Eagle Rock? What does he do? Rocks Eagles. Ah, okay. Will you step in there and give our good friend Jimmy $24.20 for helping us out? Yes, I'll do that, Mr. Howard. Here you are, Jimmy. Now, who's our next guest, Ken? A very lovely young lady is approaching the microphone now, Tom. This is Marilyn Dudley. Oh, how do you do? Good evening, Miss Dudley. Nice to have you. How do you feel this evening, Miss Dudley? 
Oh, fine, thank you. You feel all right. Mm-hmm. That's good. We're glad to have you. Have you? Is this your hometown? Where are you from? No, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. From Roanoke, Virginia. Well, that's fine. Oh, very glad to have you. Roanoke, eh? Roanoke, Virginia. I can Roanoke. Canoe? I can... Oh, <laughs> that was a weak one, if I ever heard one. Dreadful, yes. Uh, have you been in New York before? Don't tell him. He's the nosiest guy I ever saw. All right. How about your own nose? Forget it. Don't pay any attention to her. Have you ever been to New York before? No, this is my first visit. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. How do you like New York? I like it, all right. Oh, you do? Well, that's fine. We're glad you like it. Have you seen anything interesting in New York that uh, attracted well, your attention? Oh, a lot of things. I like Times Square. You like Times Square? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, very crowded down there, isn't it? And yeah, that's what I like about it. And more crowded than Roanoke? Oh, yes, very much. Uh, much more crowded. Mm-hmm. I imagine it would be. Uh, <laughs> are, are, you, uh, are you married? Yes, I am. Oh, I, is your husband with you? He's out in the audience. Oh, is he in the audience? Could we see him? Will you stand up, mister? There. Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Three people stood up. What is it? That was. Now, congratulations. You have a very, very nice-looking wife. I'm all, I'm tongue-tied tonight. I got a new set, and I can't do anything with it. She's a very nice-looking young lady, Mr. Howard. Yes, she is. You know, I'm going to meet a nice young lady tonight in front of the Astor Hotel at 10 o'clock. Oh, really? Who is she? How do I know who's going to be in front of the Astor tonight? You know, I met a beautiful girl last night. Yeah, she was the athletic type. She was an outdoor girl, you know. She was the kind of an outdoor girl you'd like to take indoors, you know. <laughs> All right. Pay no attention to him. Will you help us out, if you don't mind, uh, Miss uh, uh, Dudley, yes, and pick out a, a question for us off Johnny's hat there? And when you get one, would you be kind enough to read it, please? What food is mentioned in the title of the book, The Egg and I? Thank you. What food is mentioned in the title of the book, The Egg and I? Mr. Howard, who wrote the book? Now, look, it doesn't matter who wrote the book. But if it will help you any, Betty McDonald wrote the book. Oh, Betty McDonald, really? How is Betty? Oh. Why, did you, did you know her? Oh, rather, her father owned a farm. That's right. Oh, McDonald had a farm. He Shut up, you human female foghorn, will you? <laughs> I know, you know, you know, speaking of writing, I'm writing an opera right now. Yeah, what's the name of it? I'm writing an opera. Oxidol does an ivory. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oxidol does an ivory. Yeah, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. <laughs> Mr. McNaught, have you been dumb all your life? Oh, dear, no. I haven't lived all my life yet. I see. Well, I like mystery stories. You know, I get twice as much enjoyment out of mystery stories as anyone else. How? Well, I start to read them in the middle. You start in the middle? Yep. In that way, I not only wonder how it will end, but I wonder how it began. <laughs> Yes, it is. The question is, what food is mentioned in the book title, The Egg and I? I'll give you a hint. It's about life on a chicken farm. Oh, my Uncle Webwood has a lot of chickens up on his farm. The other day, somebody kicked a football over in the hen house. So the rooster called all the hens together and pointing to the football said, I want you to look at this, girls, and it shows you what kind of work they're turning out next door. Farm. Yeah? Yeah, I can do anything on a farm. Well, you certainly are good at laying eggs. <laughs> well, I can use them with the price of eggs today. Sixty cents a dozen. Do you realize that's five cents a piece? That's too much. Oh, Miss McConnell, I don't think it's too much, you know, when you consider it's a whole day's work for a chicken. <laughs> 
not to mention the added exertion. The exertion, yeah, I can see that. There you go. My uncle is trying out an experiment up on his farm with vegetables. Yes? Yes, he's crossing a potato with a radish. He's crossing a potato with a radish? Yeah. My word, what does he expect to get? Potatoes with bloodshot eyes. (laughs) Hey! Step in here and give our charming guest from Roanoke $26.45. I'll be happy to, Mr. Howard. For the record, that's all. Be with us again next week and hear it proven again by Tom Howard, Lulu McConnell, George Shelton, and Harry McNaughton that it pays to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant, to be dumb, to be dense, to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant as can be. It's best not to know too much. Be a dope, your IQ shouldn't show too much. Your brain shouldn't grow too much. Wait and see. I took my girl to dinner. We had a wonderful tea. They had to give my girl the check because I couldn't read. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Be a be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. And that's It Pays to be Ignorant, August 30th, 1946. And Tom Howard as Master of Ceremonies. The panel included George Shelton, Lulu McConnell, and Harry McNaughton. And Ken Roberts did the announcing on that, as heard on Mutual. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's the adventures of Frank Merriwell. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. If you wear a denture, are you sure your breath is clean and fresh? Try Polydent. It's specifically designed to clean a denture because it's tough on odor-causing bacteria, but gentle on the denture itself. Polydent has a four-in-one cleaning system with four powerful ingredients that work together to deep clean your denture. It kills 99.99% of odor-causing bacteria in laboratory testing and helps to remove stains. Feel confident and clean every day with Polydent. Available at Walmart for a low price every day. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. Lightning can spark a fire in seconds. So today, I'll show you how to protect your belongings by covering them in a fireproof blanket fort. All you need is a hammer, nails, and 700 fireproof blankets. Upon completion, you'll notice your apartment isn't just fireproof, it's also extremely cozy. You could try to protect your valuables with a fireproof blanket fort, or you could get covered for personal property damage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Go to GEICO.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across nearly 200 radio stations coast to coast. My team, Lisa Wolf and Mike Costella, are here, and my name is Carl Amari. And hopefully you're enjoying all these classic radio shows we play for you each and every week. But right now it's time for the adventures of Frank Mary. Well, this was an adventure series, and the character was created by Gilbert Patton under the pseudonym Bert L. Standish. And he was first seen in dime novels way back in 1896. That was the year Lisa was born. And then eventually a comic strip uh, evolved. It was so popular that it made the transition to radio in 1934 and in films in 1936. And Marywell was a Yale College athlete who, in his spare time, solved mysteries and righted wrongs. Donald Briggs originated the role on radio, but eventually Lawson Zerby made the role his own. 
The radio series lasted until 1949 and did not make a transition to TV. We have uh, a radio episode for you now of The Adventures of Frank Merriwell from April 9, 1948. This is called The April Shower Adventure, and it stars Lawson Zerby. Here's part one of The Adventures of Frank Merriwell. NBC presents The Adventures of Frank Merriwell. There it is, an echo of the past. An exciting past, a romantic past. The era of the horse and carriage, gas-lit streets, and free-for-all football games. The era of one of the most beloved figures in American fiction, Frank Merriwell. Merriwell is loved as much today as ever he was. And so the National Broadcasting Company brings him to radio in a new series of stories based on the famous books written by Gilbert Patton under the pen name Bert L. Standish. Today, the April Shower Adventure. This week, the Yale baseball team is journeying to Hamilton, New York, for the annual game with Colgate University. And so as our story opens, we find Frank and Bart relaxing aboard the special train en route to their destination. What time is it getting to be, Bart? Oh, let's see. Oh, it's nearly noon. Looks like we'll be a little late pulling into Hamilton. Well, I was afraid of that. Oh, what's the difference? We'll still be there in plenty of time for the game. Yes, but I was hoping we'd get there in time to look around. I was anxious to see the new swimming pool they're building up there. Oh, that's right. I remember reading about it. It's a big indoor pool, isn't it? Yeah, located in the basement of their gymnasium. I've been thinking it'd be a wonderful thing to have at Yale. Oh, I'll say it would. Yes, now, I'm sorry we're going to be late. I'd like to see it myself. Oh, well, we might have time right after the game. I hope so. Well, boys, uh, everything all right? Oh, hello, Coach. We were just relaxing, sir. That's a good idea. You boys have a tough game ahead of you today. By the way, I'd like you both to meet this gentleman, Mickey Gates, sports writer for the Albany Journal. Uh, It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Gates. Same here, sir. Uh, You're Merriwell? Yes, sir. Well, I'm glad to meet you, too, at last. (laughs) I've been following your baseball career so long now, I almost feel that we're old friends. Well, won't you sit down with us, sir? As a matter of fact, we'll both join you, Frank. Uh, Mr. Gates has a story to tell you. A story? Yes, I have. I went up to Hamilton the other day to interview a couple of Colgate players. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's quite a bit of interest in this Yale Colgate game, you know. Yes, sir. I've read a few pieces in the sports pages about it. But have you uh, read this story? Here's the clipping. Let's see it, sir. Hmm. That's a funny thing to print. Who wrote this story? I did, Frank. I interviewed the Colgate captain myself, and naturally, when he made statements like that, well, I just had to print them. Statements like what? What's this all about? I'm sorry, Bart. Look at it for yourself. All right. Colgate baseball captain promises to explode Merriwell myth. Freddie Baxter predicts Merriwell defeat. Hey, Freddie Baxter. Is this the same one who was at Fardale with us? That's right, Bart. He went to Colgate. Well, uh... And you two know this man, do you? Yes, sir. I'll say we do. We had enough trouble with him at prep school. He was always jealous of Frank. Oh, I thought it was something like that. Apparently, he hasn't changed much either. Oh, but he must have been kidding when he gave you this interview, Mr. Gates. Look down here at this paragraph. The trouble with most of Yale's opponents, Baxter continued, is they are afraid to face that double shoot of marijuana. Well... But I'm not, and I'm willing to prove it Saturday by hitting at least two home runs off his deliveries. Two home runs? What nerve he has. Well, I can assure you he wasn't joking when he said that. 
I asked him if that was for publication, and he said, uh, absolutely. Uh-huh. Then you're right, Mr. Gates. He hasn't changed. He was always that kind of a grandstander. I don't like this at all. You say, Frank, he always had it in for you at Fardale? Well, sir, in a way. Frank I... would never admit it, Coach. But Baxter would stop at nothing to get the best of us. I thought so. And uh, now that he's made a statement like this to the press, he'll want to make sure Frank doesn't make a fool of him. Oh, I don't know, Coach. Freddie Baxter has a habit of talking before he thinks. Uh, we won't have any trouble with him. Well, I'm warning you right now to be on your guard till after the game. We will, sir. And uh, how about you, Mr. Gates? Are you going to cover the game? Cover it? <laughs> Gentlemen, this is one game I wouldn't miss for all the, the bylines in the world. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's have those batting orders. Here's the Colgate lineup. And here's Yale, sir. Thank you. Uh, Captain Baxter of Colgate meets Captain Merriwell of Yale. Oh, we've met. Hi, Merriwell. Hello, Freddie. That was an interesting interview you gave to that Albany reporter. I was reading it on the train. I suppose you think it was bad sportsmanship, don't you? Oh, I don't know. Everyone has the right to speak his mind, especially if he can back his words up with action. Now, don't you worry. I can what I said in that interview still goes, and don't you forget it. I don't intend to, Freddy. Uh, that's it up, gentlemen. Break it up. I want to get this game underway. See you later, Freddy. You're darned right you will. Leading up for Yale and playing second base, Harry Rattleton. Play ball! All right, Rattleton, start turning out there. Come on, Harry, get on base! Sir Frank, I saw you talking to Baxter. What would you say? About what you'd expect. Freddie hasn't changed much since Fardale after all. Well, I could have told you that. Better watch for him out there today. When I'm pitching, I watch out for everybody with a bat in his hands, but I'm not worried about Freddie Baxter in particular. As a matter of fact, I think... boy, Harry, wait him up! Just the same, Frank. You watch out for Baxter. He's the kind that wouldn't stop at anything to get what he wants. You mark my word. Like a rusty gate, boy. Another one just like it in there now. Let's see it. Oh, Take your base. Oh, you're hurt. No, just nicking the arm. It's all right. Sorry about that pitch. It got away from me. That's all right, Merrill. It was an accident. All right, all right, Mr. Brenner. Keep the game moving. Never mind the man at first now, Frank. We'll get him on a double play. Right in here now. Gosh, it wasn't your fault, Frank. That was an easy chance for Harry. Let it go right between his legs. Never mind. I'll get the next man. Well, that's why I called time. You see who the next man is? Sure, Freddie Baxter. What about him? Oh, nothing. Only be careful. After that statement he made to the newspapers, he's going to be pressing pretty hard. Don't forget a good solid hit right now. Put Colgate ahead. Even if it does, we'll get it back again next inning. Maybe. Take a look at those black clouds. Listen to that thunder. We may not even get another chance to bat. Yes, you're right. Looks like we're in for a shower. Well, the only thing to do is to get our friend Baxter out in a hurry. Yeah, it's not so easy. He's a braggart and all that, but don't forget he can wallop a baseball. I'm not forgetting it for a second. Just get behind the plate. I'll take care of him. All right. But remember, three straight double shoots. I don't want to waste any more time. The rain's coming on fast. Go ahead, Bart. I'm ready for it. Come on, Yale. Don't delay the game. What's the matter, Bart? Is Frank stalling to keep from facing me? Uh, don't worry, Baxter. 
You wish he had in a minute. We'll see about that. Come on, come on. Step the chatter and play ball. All right, Frank. Let's show the great backs the thing is doing there. Just lob him up to the plate. He can't hit you. That's the way. Here it comes. Well, he, he was lucky that time, the way that thing broke. He won't get me again on it. You want to bet, Baxter? Come on, Frank, baby. Same pitch. That's the way. A beauty, Frank. Well, don't worry. Nobody can throw three in a row like that. Come on, Merrill. Better duck this time. We'll see who does the ducking factor. Right over, Frank. This man's a soft touch. That's it. Yeah! Oh, what's the idea? That ball was three feet from the plate. Sure it was, Baxter. Only you should have kept your eyes open. You'd have seen it break right over. Come on, Frank. If that's the best the great Baxter can do, our worries are over. That's part one of Frank Merriwell. More after these words. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now, let's get back to the adventures of Frank Merriwell. All right, Harry, you're up. Save the select. Oh, I hope that storm moves off. Come on, Harry, get out there to the batter's box and don't waste any time. It might rain any minute now. You think we can finish this half inning, Coach? I hope so, Frank. We've got a one-run lead. Now, the rain holds off for one more inning. The game will be official. If it holds out. I doubt it, though. Oh, it's beginning to sprinkle a little, Coach. Oh, I see. It'd be a darn shame to have this game postponed now after we made this long trip. Well, maybe it'll blow over. It looks clear in the west. Oh, it's starting to come down. We'll never finish this inning. You're right, Bart. It's really pelting down. The umpire will have to call it soon. Here he goes. Time! Listen, he's going to make an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, the game will be held up for one half an hour. Play will be resumed at the end of that time if conditions were Well, man, you heard him. Everybody back to the locker room in the gym where you can keep dry. Yeah, Come on, Frank. Let's get over there ourselves before we get soaked. Wait, Frank. The gym entrance is over this way. Right, follow me. The cellar door is open. Jump the ditch. Well, hey, wait for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Come on, down the stairs. Oh, mm. I'm glad to get out of that rain. What's the idea of coming down here? We only had a few more yards to go to reach the regular entrance. I know, Clark. But when I saw this open cellar door, I got an idea. Remember we wanted to get a look at the new pool they're building? Oh, sure. Sure, this will be a good chance to see it at that. 
Do you think it's down here in this basement? Oh, must be. You can tell from that ditch outside they've been doing some construction work in this part of the building. Come on, let's have a look. Careful, Frank. Too dark to see much. Mm. One of the Colgate boys told me they've installed the newest type of electric light. Maybe we can find the switch. Oh, wait a second. Maybe this is it. Come on, try it. Oh, that's better. Hey, you were right, Frank. There's the pool over there. Wait. They've almost finished with it. Let's have a look. What's that? Sounds like the wind blew the cellar door shut. I'll see. Is it all right, Frank? It was the door blowing shut. I see. That's funny. What's wrong with it? I'm afraid the latch fell in place when it shut. Won't budge. Oh, well. What's the difference? We didn't want to go back out in the rain again anyhow. We can always go upstairs from here. Ah, sure. There must be plenty of exits from this place. Well, come on. Let's inspect that new swimming pool. I What a break. If this rain hadn't come along, I have a feeling we could have beaten that Merriwell. Yeah, well, I don't know, Freddy. He has a lot of stuff. I sure couldn't hit him. Well, I can't. I wish I had a chance to prove it. You had one good chance, and he fanned you. Oh, he was lucky. I would have hit him next time. Oh, Freddy Baxter in here? Hey, look, Freddy. That reporter from the Albany paper. Yeah, I see him. Over here. Hi there, Freddy. What's on your mind? Oh, just wanted to see what you had to say for yourself after facing Merriwell. What do you expect me to say, that he's the best pitcher in the world? Well, to tell you the truth, he looked like it when he fanned you in the fourth. Oh, fast. He was lucky, and you know it. Sure, Freddie's the best hitter on our team. Uh-huh. <laughs> what happened to the home runs you were going to hit? I would have hit them all right if this rain hadn't come along. Maybe. I just came in from outside. It's slacking off. You might have a chance to prove that. I hope I do. He's right, Freddie. Look out the window. It's starting to clear up. Oh, that suits me fine. If the game continues, we'll not only beat Yale, but I'll keep my promise about hitting Merriwell all over the lot. Nobody will ever accuse you of lack of confidence, Baxter. Why should they? I know what I can do, especially against Frank Merriwell. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. If he strikes you out again, we'll make quite a story for my paper, especially after that interview you gave me. Well, don't worry. I told you I could handle him, and I can. Well, for your sake, I certainly hope so. Be seeing you, boys. Are you crazy, Freddy? What do you mean? Talking to a reporter like that. Coach is already sore at you for bragging the way you did. What's wrong with speaking your mind? It's a free country. Besides, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the great Frank Merriwell. That's all I've heard from people ever since we went to Fardale. He was always grabbing the headlines. That's because he's good and you know it. I still say I can hit him any time I want to. Well, you're going to have a chance to prove it. There comes the sun. All right, man, on your toes. We'll be going out the field any minute now. Yeah, you hear that? I'm ready any time. Freddie, all I can say is you're on a nice spot now, unless, of course, somebody conveniently hits Frank Merriwell on the head before the game starts. Forget it, will you, Val? If the game does go on, I'll take care of Merriwell. One way or another. How about it, Frank? We've been down here long enough. Let's get back to the locker room. Yes, you're right. They might be ready to start the game pretty soon. Let's see. The stairs should be over this way. Yeah, that's funny. This doorway's been sealed up. So I see. Look over here on this wall. They've outlined a place to cut a new doorway through. <laughs> Doesn't help us any right now. It looks like we'll have to get out the way we came in. If we can. Oh. Come on. Back to that outside door. Gosh, I hope we can force it open. That may not be so easy. 
It's a pretty thick door. Now I look at it. It's folded. No doubt about that. Come on, let's see what happens if we throw our way together. All right. One, two, three. It didn't even budge. Well, let's try again. One. No. Hold it, Bart. We'd only be wasting our time. You can tell right now that door is too solid to break down. Yes, but how are we going to get out of here? Now, let's look around. I didn't notice any windows in the basement. No, neither did I. By the time they start again, we'll be out of the game. I know it. We've got to be on hand the minute the game resumes. Now, let's see. There must be some way to attract someone's attention. I'd like to know how. Wait. What's that over on the far wall? You mean that stovepipe? Looks like they haven't connected it up yet. Yes, but it apparently leads somewhere out of the building. Now, let's have a look. Be careful of that length of hose. Don't cut it with your spike. Right. I don't know what good this pipe will do us, though. We certainly can't crawl through it. Maybe we won't have to. Not just an ordinary stovepipe, as far as I can see. Now, wait. Feel the draft coming from it? I was right. It does lead to the outside of the building. Well, how does that help us? Let's try yelling through it. If anyone hears us, they can open the door for us. Good idea. I'll try it. Hey! Hey, up there! This is Merriwell and Hodge. We're locked in! Hey! Can anybody hear it? I feel sort of foolish yelling into an empty pipe like this. You'll feel a lot more foolish if we're too late for the game. Go ahead, Bart. Keep yelling. Come on, Freddy. Let's get out on the field. All right, I'm coming. Hold it a second. Help! What's the matter? Didn't you hear something just then? Sure, I heard everybody going back to the field. Now get your mitt and come on. Now listen. Hey, what is that? It sounds like it's coming from outside the window. But I don't see anyone around out here. Sounds like it's farther away than that to me. Help us! Get us out of here! I see where it's coming from. That end of pipe sticking out of the side of the ditch. Yeah, it sounds like it, all right. But how's that possible? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Come on, we can step right out the window. Go ahead. I'm right behind you. Yep, it's the pipe, all right. I'll see what this is all about. Hey, watch out, Freddy. The ground's pretty muddy there in the ditch. Never mind the mud. Uh, here's where it's coming from. Hey! Hey, up there! Yeah? Who are you? What do you want? At last. This is Frank Merriwell! Huh? And Bart Hodge! We're locked in the gym basement! Did you hear that, Freddy? Those two Yale players got themselves locked in the basement. Whoever you are, get us out of here. We'll be late for the game. Sure, I'll get you out. I'll go for the janitor. Be right back. Thanks a lot. Hey, what are you up to, Freddy? Never mind. Well, the janitor ought to be... Wait a second, where are you going? To let him out of the basement. Don't be in such a rush. We've got lots of time. No, we haven't, Freddy. The game will be starting in a few minutes. Sure, I know it. But if Merriwell and Hodge don't get out right now, they won't be able to play the rest of the game. Wouldn't that be a shame? Sure it would, and besides... Uh... Hey, wait a minute. What are you trying to pull? Why, nothing, Val. I'm going to see that they get out exactly one minute after play is resumed. But that's too late. They'll be out of the game. It isn't fair. You want us to win, don't you? Well, sure I do, but not that way. Forget about it. Now leave this to me. Now look, Freddy, you can't do a thing like this. Once they do get out, they'll report you and you'll really be in trouble. How will they know who they were talking to just now? Could you identify Merriwell's voice through that pipe? Well, no, not exactly. Then how do you expect them to recognize ours? They haven't a way in the world of knowing for sure who answered them. All we have to do is deny everything. 
This is too good a chance to miss. No thanks, Freddy. I don't want any part of it. Then uh, maybe you'd rather pay me back some of the money you owe me? Money? You know I can't do that now. I've overdrawn my allowance. Then here's a way to pay me back. Just keep quiet about this and we'll call the debt square. Well, I... You mean that? Naturally. Now, how about it? Is it a deal? Under the circumstances, I haven't much choice. Good, then it's settled. But I still say it's a dirty trick and I don't like it. You'll like it well enough after we've won the game. Now, let's get back to the field. You hear anything, Frank? Not a sound. I don't understand it. It shouldn't take them this long to get the door unbolted. Well, if they don't hurry up, it'll be too late. I know it. The game might be starting again right this minute. Say, Frank, who was it who answered us anyhow? I wish I knew. It's pretty hard to recognize anyone's voice through that pipe. Look, maybe we ought to start yelling again. Hey, what? Did you hear that? I sure did. With a crowd at the field. Yes, and it means the game must be starting. Good night. We've got to get out of here fast. Let's start yelling again. Oh, I doubt if that'll do any good. Everybody will be back at the field by now. Come on, we'll have another try at that door. Watch out for the hose on the floor. I will. Now, come on. Now, wait a minute. That might work. What might work? If only the valve over here at the edge of the pool is connected. Let's find out. Well, what are you up to now? It's a wild idea, but it might be our only chance. Here's the valve. Just pray that it's working. It works, all right. All right, I'll turn it off again for a second. There. I don't see what good that does unless we want to drown ourselves. Well, let's get that hose and I'll show you. Here, hand me the end of it. All right. Here you are. Now, connect it to the valve. Like this. There. It's connected. Now, what do we do with it? Now, we're going to use that stovepipe again. Now, look. If we jam the end of the hose as far up the pipe as possible and turn on the water, we've got an outside chance of attracting attention to ourselves. Oh. Yeah, maybe. It's a pretty slim chance. Well, not necessarily. We know this pipe comes out of the building somewhere in the direction of the field. Otherwise, we never could have heard that cheer just now. Hey, come to think of it, that's true. And certainly, if someone sees water spouting out of the basement of the gym, they're going to investigate. Come on, let's get that hose into the end of the pipe. Sorry, Coach, but I can't hold the game up much longer. Just another minute, Ump. I've got the assistant manager looking for those two players right now. Well, it depends on the Colgate team. How about it, Captain Baxter? No, sir. Yale's delayed the game too long already. First thing you know, it'll be called on account of darkness. But be reasonable. My star pitcher and catcher have wandered off someplace. And if we start without them, they're out for the rest of the game. That's your lookout, Coach, not ours. If the truth were known, I'll bet they're ducking the rest of the game on purpose. That's ridiculous, and you know it. Well, you can't stand here arguing. Get your team on the field, coach, or forfeit the game. All right, all right, all right, you win. Oh, but wait a minute. Uh, you feel that rain? Hmm? It's starting again. What? Rain? It's impossible. Look at the sky. It's perfectly clear. Just the same. I distinctly felt some... Why, George, look over there. Yes, I see it. Water pipe must have broken over there next to the gymnasium. Well, what's the difference? Now, come on, let's play ball. You can't until someone fixes that pipe. The water's coming out as far as the diamond. Just as bad as rain. Yes, Coach, you're right. I can't let the game continue until that pipe's fixed. I'll send someone over to investigate right away. And I'll go with them. There's something odd about this, and I want to know what it is. by mistake, Coach. The game's tired. Not yet, but it would have been another few seconds. Then we can play, sir. Play? You bet you can. Now get out there on that field, both of you, and sew up this game before anything else happens. Oh, Come on, Frank. What's that control? 
Now, this man can't hit. Show me that fast one. That's the way hit it. Oh, Thank you, me. Hold it, Frank. Time up. Time out, yay. It's all right, Bryce. Let's get on with it. What do you mean it's all right? The bases are loaded now. We've only got a one-run lead. There's one more out to go, though. I'll get this man. Well, you better. It's our friend Freddie Baxter again. I know. My control's been a little off, but I'll get him. Don't worry. Get back behind the plate. All right. But don't let him get the wood on anything. What's the matter, Bart? The great Merriwell isn't afraid of me, is he? Uh, why should he be? You're sure out. We were just talking about what we do after the game. Well, my advice is leave town. You'll have a lot to live down when I get hold of Merriwell's best pitch. All right, boys, play ball. We'll see about that, Baxter. You shouldn't have bothered to change uniform. Nobody will want to take your picture when we get through with you. <laughs> Come on, Frack. Show him that fast one in here. Here we go, Baxter. Hit it. Oh! You guys were lucky that time. I, I almost pulled it there. That's the last pitch you'll see, Baxter. Come on, Frank. All the time in the world there, boy. Here we go. Oh, let's do. Uh, lucky again. That was a solid one. What's the matter, Frank? You nearly straightened that one out. Never mind, boy. I'll get in this time. All right. Here we go. Two strikes on him. You don't have to come in there on this one. Now, Baxter, hit it. Get in. <laughs> he didn't even answer. Oh, is he mad? Well, come on, Frank. Let's get to the shower. Not so fast, Bart. We've got a score to settle with someone first. Score? What do you mean? I mean, we came very near missing the last half of this game, and it was no accident either. Whoever answered us through that pipe deliberately ignored us, hoping we'd miss the game. Freddie Baxter. I wouldn't doubt it. Why, that... Come on, let's go after No, wait. We haven't any proof, and there's a chance we could be wrong. What do we need with proof? I'll shake it out of him. Besides, there isn't any way we could prove it. As far as the voice is concerned, it could have been almost anyone. Maybe, but I've got an idea. If I'm right, we'll pay a little visit to Freddie Baxter in the locker room. Let's go. Come on, Val. We'll get a move on. We're the last ones. Let's get out of here. I'm dressing as fast as I can. Well, I was too bad the way you struck out there in the ninth. Cut it out. I don't want to talk about it. I don't blame you, but everyone else is talking about it. Too bad Merriwell got back in the game, after all. Now, shut up, Val. I thought we weren't going to mention it again. All right, I won't. But what if Merriwell and Hodge found out you were the one who tried to keep them locked in that basement? They won't find out if we keep quiet. They haven't got any way to prove a thing. I hope not. Ah. Hello, Freddy. Huh? Glad you haven't left yet. We want to talk to you. Well, I'll just go on. Oh, no, you're not. Not until we've had our say. We think you're the one who tried to keep us out of the game, Baxter. Are you crazy? I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do, and I'm ready to prove it. What do you mean? Prove what? Well, how did it happen that after the shower, you were the only player on either team that came out on the field in a clean uniform? What's wrong with a clean uniform? Well, that depends on how the other one got dirty. Bart and I have just come from inspecting the place where that stovepipe comes out of the ground over near the ditch. Well, what's that got to do now, with what... uh, Now, whoever talked to us through the pipe had to kneel down in the mud to do it. And we saw the tracks where it was done. Oh, what of it? There was no mud on my uniform, was there? Not on the clean one, naturally. But we want to see the other one. This your locker? Get your hands off that Go one. ahead, Frank. I'll take care of him. Just as I thought. Look at the knees of this pair of pants. Mud all over them. That does it. That doesn't prove a thing. 
I, I, I fell down, that's all. Well, maybe you'll have a chance to show us just how you fell down. Now, look, 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 fellas. Take it easy, will you? This... Well, if this gets out, I... I'd be expelled. Don't worry, Freddy. This is between you and me. Get out of the way, Bart. Freddy Baxter and I have a little matter to settle. Right here and now. Well, gentlemen, gentlemen, congratulations on a great game. Thanks, Mr. Gates. It was a pretty rough one, all right. <laughs> you certainly showed up Freddy Baxter. <laughs> Didn't he, though? Oh, Frank never pitched better to anyone. Imagine that four straight strikeouts. Well, he had it coming to him after those things he was saying about Frank. And wait until you read tomorrow's story on the game. Well, I, I wish you'd go a little easy on him, Mr. Gates. It's, it's true, Freddie talked out of turn, but I think he's learned his lesson now. Well, I don't doubt it. But it's not going to make much difference to him what I wrote anyhow. <laughs> he won't be reading it. Why? How do you figure that? Well, I saw Baxter just before we left town. No, he won't be doing any reading for a few days. <laughs> Did you ever try to read with two beautiful, big, black eyes? And so ends another exciting adventure with Frank Merriwell, beloved hero of American fiction, brought to you in a new series of stories by the National Broadcasting Company. And be sure to listen again next week at the same time when Frank Merriwell returns in another of his celebrated exploits. Frank is played by Lawson Zerby and Bart is Hal Studa. Other members of the cast were John McGovern, Billy Redfield, Leon Jenny, Bill Griffiths, and Chuck Webster. Original music is by Paul Taubman. The Adventures of Frank Merriwell is written by Ruth and Gilbert Braun and William Welch, and the entire production is under the direction of Ed King. This is Mel Brand speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's The Adventures of Frank Merriwell from April 9, 1948 with the April Shower Adventure starring Lawson Zerby that was heard on NBC with Harlow Wilcox. There's that name, Lisa. Harlow. If I ever have any more uh, babies, whether they're girls or boys, I'm naming him or her Harlow. Yeah, I should. I think you should have a few more, more children. I should have more, huh? I, d- I do. Three's not enough. No, it's you not. can get a dog and name it Harlow. Yeah, that's what that's I'm, a, I think. That that's might even. be a better. Mike <laughs> has Mike Bingo right there. Mike, a- excellent. As heard on NBC, that's the Adventures of Frank Merriwell. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, next time, it's a sci-fi adventure of Tom Corbett, Space Cadet from 1952. 
Then it's part one of The Great Gildersleeve from 1950. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.